Ain't nothing worse than a smart dumb. Los Angeles, Nakers, 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 Nakers. All right, so good afternoon, everybody. Once again, we are back at it, back beginning. This is the first interview that I have for the Smart Dumb Podcast. I'm really excited, um, excited to have gotten off of <clears throat> my hiatus and excited to get, you know, right to having a conversation. So um, today I'm going to be joining some of the other uh, interviews I've done. People feel away that I, uh, you know, like I let them introduce themselves, but there's a situation where um, the young lady does not like, there's a particular way that she wants her name said and doesn't. So it's like, this is why I err on the side of caution. So um, if you don't mind saying that, we're going to let you introduce yourself first and I'll get to that question. So so welcome to the show. Please tell us who you are. Oh, man. Uh, thanks for having me. My name is Tia. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I supposed to say anything else? <laughs> um, no, nah, we'll get to that. Yeah, okay. that's, that's, okay. So, so what? Um, you know, I we 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 go back a little bit. Yeah. Um, so why 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 is it Tia? Why is it you know why is it not? Why is it Tia? You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I well, I guess my my government name is a made up name. Oh, uh, it's it's made up from. I'm named after my father. Mm. And my real name is based off of his pet name or nickname, as they call it here in the States, which is now his legal name here in America. And I just find that um, people just have a really hard time with it for some reason. And um, if they happen to get it right, like, I guess, syllable-wise or whatever, they um, they still pronounce it wrong. And mm-hmm. so I just, when I left from college, I just stopped um, giving it to people because I it just... I felt bad for correcting people, but I also made me cringe all the time hearing my name pronounced incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah. I used to feel this guilt as a child for wanting to give people a nickname because I had so many classmates who had like an American name or whatever, but I felt like my name didn't really qualify for one. So I never, (laughs) I never had that nickname in class and after a while I just got fed up. So it's like no more. I hear you. Hey, your name is your name, and it's crazy. I'm sure people still messing up Tia somehow. <laughs> you know, yeah. you think it would be easy for people. <laughs> Listen, mine is Jermel. That's all, and it's like the way that people jump through hoops to make it wrong. Yes, it's like you you have to be trying to mess yeah. this up. <laughs> so now I get all that. Every I mean, that was that whole everything about that. Um, finding yourself apologizing for them messing up. Yes. It's just getting mentally exhausting. Yes, like, yes. You get me, man. You get me. <laughs> I do. I promise I do. Okay. All right. Very good. So, so part of that, and, and, and the Mr. Answering that question, so you mentioned in the States, outside of the States. So, where are you from? Where are you are, or are you born outside of the States? Yeah. So, my entire family is from Jamaica, pretty fresh off the proverbial, proverbial boat. Sure. So, um, yeah. Okay. Like, okay. okay. First so generation I, raised here. Oh, okay. So you were you were born stateside, or yeah, I'm like, it's weird. This generation of my family, I'm like, most of the, most of us were born in Jamaica, but I was not. So. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. And so then, <clears throat> excuse me. And so then, um, 
ignoring the current you know situation we're wearing nobody moving what what's your frequency as far as heading back to jamaica um i was i was back home um in november of 2019 okay. and but it was like for 24 hours i literally went down there to get a shot mm-hmm. and to take my grandmother down like some medical items and okay. I came way back so <laughs> I wasn't there for very long um in the last like decade or so I haven't really gone much but that's because I've been prioritizing trying to travel to new places I do I do travel quite a bit um so I've been trying to travel to new places and that doesn't leave very much time having working a nine-to-five job to you know go home very often so okay yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, um, so what, like, what, what was the process? What was the journey that brought you to upstate New York for school? <laughs> they gave me the most money. <laughs> I, the funny thing about it is that I knew nothing. So for the listeners, I went to Rochester Institute of Technology, upstate New York and for undergrad. And, um, I had never heard of that school before. I find that most, um, I guess you could say like laymen have never heard of RIT before. It's not a household name. Typically people within industry, usually like engineering, business, art, that's what the school is mostly known for, um, are people who have heard of it. So long story short, I had an aunt who at the time worked for um, Fannie Mae, I believe. It was the Fannie Mae or the World Bank. And she had... Um, quite a few colleagues who went to RIT and I guess with her talking about having a niece applying for college and stuff they recommended I apply there Um, so I just kind of did to shut the family up it was an easy application I didn't have to do anything extra and they like at the time had a really bad um, uh, men-to-women ratio Mm. so that in addition with being an ethnic minority they're just throwing money at you to get you to come Sure. Okay. That's honestly money was really is what it what it, what it boiled down to. <laughs> I mean, listen, there's nothing wrong with that one either. I um undergrad, I ended up going to FAMU, which you know I ended up loving, but uh, that was the reason why is, yeah. is you know my parents narrowed it down for me. It's like yeah. okay, who's giving you this money? They gave money on top of. They ended up giving me so I was like, yeah, that's this is what you got to do. So it's not uh, that's, yeah. Perfectly. Not a sexy story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't have to. Right. It can be that simple. And then you know. And then once you get there, then you make your. You know. You, you right. Develop right. your own story. So, but now you know. Yeah. RIT. Some people are very familiar. Some have never heard of it. I. Mm-hmm. While you were there, I was in University of Rochester for grad school. And the same. Like there are some, and that's an amazing, a big name, and a big deal. And there's some people that are like, okay, sound, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's sound cool. good. <laughs> right. So, as far as your RIT experience, like once you actually got there, you know, how could you describe it, summarize it? I don't know. Is that a big story, small story? Um, I don't know if I would say it's a big story. I mean, I guess for context, like I grew up in the um, the suburbs of DC. Mm-hmm. So, and I still live like 15 minutes outside of DC right now. So, um, and and not like on a from a bragging standpoint, but we're you know on paper one of the richest black counties in the country so not even in terms of wealth but just sheer numbers of people Mm -hmm. I 
one of the reasons I didn't gravitate towards an HBCU experience is because that's basically been my whole K through 12 experience. I've always been around mostly Black students. I had, you know, memories of Black teachers in elementary school. I had them in middle school. I had them in high school. I had Black administrators. So that was not something that was, you know, foreign to me. And at a very early age, like thinking about college, I recognized that there was a lot of privilege in that experience and that most likely I was not going to be in a situation post-college where I would be fortunate enough to work in an, a work environment where it would be mostly Black. Mm. So I needed to become accustomed and learn how to maneuver in white spaces or not mm. mostly Black spaces. Mm. So that was like the main reason why I wasn't looking for an HBCU experience and how it was down the street. I mean, you know, how a homecoming and all these other things, not to say that or suggest that that is the totality of an HBCU experience, but I think that's a lot of why some people choose to go to HBCUs in addition to the fact that they need to be around more people who look like them. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a need for either one of those experiences. So getting back to what my RIT experience was because of that, um, I kind of got what I was looking for, <laughs> um, and, and that wasn't necessarily a positive thing, you know, being, you know, the black spot in the room, um, you know, people who, being around people who had never, literally had never seen a black person in person before, which wasn't always a negative experience. Some people were just naturally inquisitive, wanted to know certain things, people who had, you know, gone to had a high school class of 20 or 30 people mm-hmm. just that sort of exposure was was good to have and definitely a lot of valuable lessons into how to move into spaces that I wasn't necessarily accustomed to um and then you know the I guess not so great side of it where the um the complicated racial aspects of it you know I definitely won't lie about that I had more than <laughs> enough you know dark you know racial experiences at RIT, but you know, like I said, I'm I'm all the richer for it. It taught me, it prepared me well for how to deal with a lot of those microaggressions and then not so subtle, you know, racial overtones and things mm-hmm. in the real world because they do happen. Right. Um, but then I guess from a social aspect, I kind of love the intimacy of of RIT, and I sound weird. It's it's not that small of a school, but it's also not a huge school at the same time. But then it felt like a school within a school in terms of the minorities. Like we were small in number, but I didn't really have to interact with anyone outside of us, outside of class, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. So um, we all knew each other well. It was very strange first coming on campus because you knew immediately who was new or who, well, I'll just leave it at that, who is new. And so for for people who are new, people are automatically like, okay, well, who are you? And you need to come to so-and-so's house or this event or whatever, because we need to get you like in the fold sort of thing. And coming from a space where it wasn't that intimate, it was kind of like, okay, well, I don't talk to strangers. (laughs) And like, who are you? Like, I'm not going to anybody's house sort of thing. So um, getting accustomed to that sense of community, that mm-hmm. was like different. And it was also really good because everybody really looked out for each other. And I don't know that um, I would have necessarily gotten that experience in a different type of environment. I feel like that was a really long winded answer, but. <laughs> nah, this is why we're here. It was, it was, that was good. That was good. So, um, yeah, so, so 
that was <clears throat> that was interesting. So you weren't you specifically were cool on personally dealing with the HBCU experience. You were like, I don't need that basically because I have you know how you was already raised, and you kind of wanted to prepare yourself for probably what real world would look like. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then even getting there, so it wasn't. But it wasn't. So you, I mean, it, you were you were both like fair on both sides. So there were a couple challenging experiences, but we were going to have that no matter where you were, um, as yeah. far as growth and growth of the people around you. You know, having to educate others, um, whether that's what you signed up for or not. But at the same time, there were plenty of. Um, it was an environment that you grew to enjoy. You know. Yeah. And in a, a lot of aspects, and, and let me also, like, <laughs> say there were a lot of negative experiences, like, mm-hmm. on all levels, like, personally with other peers, um, you know, within living environments. And when I say, oh, I'm, these negative experiences I'm talking about are centered around race. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about your, your average, like, I don't like my roommate type of situations we're talking about with staff we're talking about with professors all on Mm -hmm. all levels there was a lot of that from start to finish and you know in my time at RIT um so and I'm I will never ever shy away from that or make it seem like it was something that other than what it was but like I said before I think it was very good preparation trial run for real life and I'm not saying that every person needs to have that experience in college but um, per se, but it's very good training for real life because I stand by the majority of us will not have the luxury of working in a space where <clears throat> we're surrounded around people who look like us or people who are there genuinely for your like your growth and your development and looking out for you. And so you have to learn how to advocate for yourself. And I think college in general does that, but um I think when you add that sort of racial component, it's, 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 it takes it to another level mm-hmm. of learning how to, like, play that game and maneuver and, you know, just make sure you look out for yourself. Because when you get to college, a lot of times they're like, you can't, you can call your parents, but that, when you have issues, that school's not interested in listening or hearing anything that your parent has to say. Because they're like, this kid is 18. Your parent really has no, like, jurisdiction here. Right. Like, in the way that, your parent will call your school in high school or something like that to challenge something that's happening. You have to do it yourself. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, to me, it was better to learn how to do those things there and figure it out versus having to figure it out like in real life mm-hmm. where, where like it matters about you. It's affecting your pocket maybe, or, or things of that nature in college, nothing you're doing or saying is affecting my pocket. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's still kind of a sandbox to kind of experiment. It's, it's yeah. a level above high school and a level above all of grade school. Um, but excuse me, but still opportunity to kind of kind of prep. Um, okay, um, so you know, however much time you want to devote to it, then. Um, so you talked about your personal experience. Um, you know, as far as choosing to go to a, a PWI versus mm-hmm. an HBCU. That is, is a very spicy, it is. competitive, <laughs> exhausting social media, mm-hmm. um, you know, conversation. Did you, you know, on a general sense, did you have any, you know, did you have anything additional you wanted to contribute to that without, you know, 
without anybody, well, okay, live, without anybody <laughs> jumping on your throat because you didn't yeah. say what I wanted you to say, so it's wrong. Cause I, yeah. I, like I mean, in general, like you said, I just think the conversation is kind of stupid. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, it's about, to me, it's about the education. Right. So I think there's a very valid um, place for and need for HBCUs on different levels. So like I kind of touched on before, I think there's a personal element to it. Like I personally have family members who grew up in in this area in the um, private school system and therefore were that, that black spec K through 12. And the one family member I'm thinking of in particular, she ended up going to Howard. She needed that experience. And and I'm not even saying that everybody in her K through 12 experience need that experience, but for her, she needed that. She needed to be affirmed by having black professors and being around a wealth of black students and a wealth of black students from different places so that she could learn more about herself and sort of have a mirror to herself. I didn't need that personally because I grew up in the opposite scenario i was surrounded by all of that blackness k through 12 so it's not to say i wouldn't have been enriched in some ways by going to hbcu but for where i was i just didn't think that that i thought i could get more from the pwr for, for the reasons i stated earlier so i just think it depends on the student and what they need personally and then what they need professionally and then also i so i did start to apply to Howard actually and this is no shade against Howard but I'm just speaking in general mm -hmm. I think it's also a a question of um subject matter too like what you're going to or planning to study yeah. so that was a challenge that I had because I wanted to at least apply to a couple even though I had this like game plan of you know what I was trying to get out of my experience but the challenge that I had was finding one that offered the a degree program similar to or or exactly what I was looking for mm -hmm. and I really I know that that is very deeply connected to how um HBCUs are funded or lack thereof and so I don't I don't want to go down that rabbit hole but there's just a lot of variables that go into sort of making that choice and then also making the choice that's best for you mm -hmm. and I think if people approach that discussion with the mindset that those those different types of institutions offer different things and discovering what it is that that student needs and which one can offer that and which one can offer it best. And then there's also the money factor too. So like if you're an average student as in like you're not a valedictorian or your SAT scores are not like in the top 10 percentile or something like that, like you're not gonna get the best financial package from an HBC or you're not an athlete. Odds are you're not gonna get a ton of money from them strategically you're gonna get the most money from a PWI because they need you for for certain metrics. So if if your if money is what you need, then strategically, I probably wouldn't bank all of my money on going to HBCU because they're not gonna give me the most. Okay. Yeah. Um, so as far as yeah, as far as like the 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 major uh, choice, like I know that's one that would have been a. Uh, uh, you know, that have been, you know, that somebody would feel like they got to counter it. Of course, if you absolutely were dead set on going to one, yes, across the country, across the East Coast, you could have found that program to suit you. But then it came back to, I guess, one of the things that that is a, that becomes a problem. I think some of us, you know, I went to HBCU, so some of us 
are so busy, get too caught up trying to defend the validity of them. Yes. That then some of us then go to the other extreme and say, we all must do that. Right. And that is also false. Right, right. You know? I, I thought about that, but I didn't really want to say it because then that also makes people defensive. Yeah. Um, I think there's, I, and I think some of that goes back to like kind of using whiteness and anything that is like all encompassing of whiteness as a metric for success or a metric for quality. Mm-hmm. And so I think inherently we still have that sort of in our psyche, whether people want to admit it or not. So even without being like gaslit, people become very defensive about the HBCU topic as if people are automatically saying like you're you, the, the quality of HBCU is lesser than a PWI just because it's an HBCU and then it becomes this whole well it's not just about homecoming it's not just about this it's not just about that and it's like relax like <laughs> you know you, it's, it's it's not all that like it doesn't it doesn't have to be that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I mean just the whole fact yeah that we can't it's just another example of um this this kind of you know it's the social media need that you're supposed to walk on eggshells if you're not going to offend anybody else and it's like and so you end up prefacing so many oh this is my experience in my opinion yeah yeah yeah, we can't even just get (laughs) have the conversation let you have your thought and my you have my thought because i'm going to find a way you know to get hung up on oh you said you can get more money yeah Um, yeah. that's your experience that and and it was a legitimate I also, also think if people, if if we could, as a community, reframe the the conversation into like focusing on the education piece, not mm-hmm. the quality part, but the mm-hmm. receiving the education. Mm-hmm. So, like, if the focus is on okay, these if you want to go to school, because that's a whole nother discussion about whether <laughs> college is even required or whatever to be successful. But like, if you want to go to school, the focus is on getting the degree where you choose to get the degree really should not be that big of a deal <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. As long as you're getting the experience that you need and that you want. Right. So that means you have to transfer whatever it is. At the end of the day, I want you to get that degree. Right and get the experience that is going to set you up for post-college life. Right, right. Anything, right. any details beyond that, to me, they're not irrelevant, but that's not the focus. Right. And if we could switch the focus of the conversation to that, like, purview, I think we would be in a lot better space. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. I can agree with that. So, okay, so what, uh, did you... You said undergrad. Did you go to grad school? Yeah, so I went to grad school at Hopkins. Um, Yeah. So you came back kind of local. I mean, so, yeah, being in the States, you was pretty much around the DMV area or D.C. Well, so I I started undergrad as an art art major, Mm -hmm. and then I ended up graduating with an engineering degree. Mm -hmm. Long story, but not (laughs) not really important. So... (laughs) Um, so needless to say, I, you know, went about the normal trajectory, went to the engineering space, like full-time work. And in my particular, um, I guess, niche of engineering, it's, it's like, it's not manufacturing, but it's like centered around manufacturing sort of. So in that respect, it's very hard for you to find jobs where they're in like cities or, you know, places like DMV or places like New York City, it doesn't really happen too, too often, although there are things available. And um, that was like 
the life I wanted to live. Because I, I co-opted an undergrad at Procter & Gamble, and so I was in Cincinnati, and I was like, I'm not about this Midwestern life. I'm not about this small-town life. And, I, and I've had, you know, several work experiences where I've been able to, like, travel across the country and see different plants and working atmospheres and stuff like that enough to know that I'm not about that life of, of in terms of living like work was great but that after I had to leave work I'm like mm -mm, this is not for me so I was on a mission to get back to the DMV because I wanted to be around my family and by that time my niece had been born and I didn't want to miss like her growing up and stuff like that so I ended up taking a job my first full-time job after school was in Richmond that was the closest I could get and that was about an hour and a half drive um, mm -hmm. from home or so. And I was there for about two years. And then I ended up in Delaware, which is like hour and a half in the opposite direction. Oh, really? um, and then I ended up in the federal government. So then I was finally back home after about four or five years after undergrad. Okay. And that's when I started grad school. Okay. 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 So a little bit of work experience. In there. Yeah. It took, it took me some time. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, listen. <laughs> my story and, and somebody's story is crazy to mine and my story is you know mm -hmm. everybody's is unique yeah because that oh the struggle olympics yes I do that <laughs> oh nah you ain't that's not that bad listen mm -hmm. to mine like actually and then the, <laughs> then it doesn't even be that bad but you gotta you gotta yeah yeah, yeah. Like, like, oh, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's crazy right, that's right <laughs> that's funny so now, either one of those situations, one and a half towards Richmond, one and a half towards Delaware, uh, you you found um, residents local to your job or you actually were doing this big commute? So um, when I was in Richmond, I had an apartment there mm -hmm. and then uh, first by myself and then with a roommate actually who I went to RIT with. Oh. And then um, when I was in Delaware, I actually was making a commute every day okay. for like probably about four months and then I started renting a room from some <laughs> grad students just to have somewhere to sleep yeah. um, Monday through Thursday and then I would go right back home okay yeah, okay. So. Okay. yeah um, I think the first place that I was with that I, that didn't even you know register to me at first mm -hmm. and then um, so I had you know Midwest experience I was in uh, uh, Michigan for some Ford work um okay. i grew up in minnesota i'm tripping like i've never been to midwest but anyway I'd, I'd be there for ford and some along that way i was it, the conversation came up there yeah people were leaving whatever part of michigan they are from to travel up to dearborn uh, or uh, you know where the uh, you know uh, hq and all that is so it's mm -hmm. like yeah 40 50 mile commute um you know each one way every yeah. day it's like, yeah it hurts <laughs> <laughs> it hurts it hurts Right, sure, right. definitely okay. live that life for a while. Don't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. Okay, so then, so you had your grad school experience, um, and then I, and then I guess after that, you returned it to the workforce, to the real world. Actually, I oh, worked God. full time. <laughs> oh, while you was in grad school? Yeah, I worked Ooh. full time in grad school, and I was in grad school full time. So I did both full time. <laughs> yeah. And and still. And it was don't have don't look sixty eight and all that. I don't know how. I don't <laughs> know how. I every once in a while I tell people all the time. Every once in a while I walk past and I look at that degree just to make sure it's real. Like, did that really give me that? Like, there's a couple of reasons why I look at it like that. But I just you know I check it every once in a while just to make sure it's still valid. <laughs> that stamp is still there. 
Yeah, like I had this nightmare that I was just, I just for some reason put myself. Oh, it, oh, it did. Yeah, that really happened. Oh, mm-hmm. all right. Well, at yeah. least, it, at least I happened, and you got what you came for. That's that's true. But I was on a mission because the agency I was with at the time was mm-hmm. paying for some of my classes. Okay, and that was the only like outside of my pocket and yeah. loans yeah. money that I was getting. Mm-hmm. So I was like, and then the. The position that I had there was uh, one of those not to exceed a certain amount of time mm-hmm. positions with the government. So I was like, for the money reason and for the reason of having to go back in the workforce, I'm like, it makes no sense for me to go back into the workforce in the midst of a degree. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to go back into the workforce, I need to have that degree so that I, I, I can use, I can leverage it to get more money. Right. So that meant that I had to be done with it by the time I left. And so that was the reason why I was like, I went full-time, full-time work, full-time school. Yeah, yeah. and I can't can't say you wrong. I mean, (laughs) I've heard those stories. Somebody, I mean, just a degree, experience, whatever. Once that company, like, I think a lot of people miss it. I didn't know it. Once that company, like, your biggest leverage is the, your foot in the door. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, your entry into the company. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Once they already got you, you signed, you joined, they gave you the, you know, the orientation, most people aren't going to get taken care of. Like yeah. you're pretty much going to hover right around where that, where that spot right. is, you right. know, it's, um, it's a wild okay. game. Yep. It's a crazy game. Yep. And it's, um, it's one, a lot of, we'll just say black people. Cause that's my, that's what I care about the most. So yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> but it's <laughs> right. It's a lot. That's a, something that has not, yet gotten passed on so hopefully like the new you know this current this next generation can get educated on that more it's yeah. like we come from a standpoint oh we just you know i'm so happy that they gave me this opportunity so let me come wow. in let me do what i'm supposed to do and then i have this kind of presentation for y'all like look i did all this You're like so right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 my, my mother was actually one of the, the the person who she was talking more so about salary like you know, you're never, you're not going to get anything more than like your average, like two to 3% mm-hmm. like raise per year. So it's like, she was like, if you're really looking for like a jump in salary and you want to stay within that company, you have to leave and come back <laughs> or get whatever it is you're trying to get before you start. Mm-hmm. And so that has always been, you know, my mindset. And I think also, I guess more so from like our elders generation they're accustomed to going somewhere and staying there for like a lifetime or like you know the lifetime of their career because they used to get perks they used to get like you know good insurance a company car like you know all kind of even things yeah all kind of crazy things we don't get none of that no more so it's like you we have to very much so think more about what you're getting out of the situation and the minute you are not benefiting from that relationship it's time to go yeah so when people try to shame us into the oh well you only stayed there for two years or you only stayed there for three years i got what i need to get and i left right it's time to move on to the next thing eventually i think these companies will start to come around to this you know notion that millennials are not giving you 40 years of work time for nothing for nothing yeah, that's it, right. I mean, if you if you feed me, then right, I'll stay. Right. But the minute that I stop benefiting from this scenario, it's time for me to move on. Maybe I'll come back. Maybe I will. A company personal problem. You know what they say? They don't give cars. They don't give pens. You know what they give now? 
happy hour parties. <laughs> you know, and I think that, and I, <laughs> that's that's acknowledgement that they know they're putting people through hell. So it's like, here's this wine and some beer. You good? Yeah, we'll yeah. see you next Monday. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, yeah, they, they they wild for that. But no, that's um that I'm even glad you talked about that too. As far as you know, they try to shame. Uh, you know, again, what's that current generation into like, why are you moving so fast? And it's like, cause there's not a good reason to stay. It's not a good reason for uh-huh. me to stay. <laughs> like, you're benefiting from using me. Right. And then we have so much more like on our plates where saddle with student loans. Mm-hmm. Then you want us to have kids. You want us to buy mm-hmm. houses. What are, what am I doing that with? Like right. your pat on the back is not paying my mortgage, bro. Right. Like right. this is not giving my down payment. I do like, I need, I need, you, you got to work with me. Right, they right. can't cost a, a mortgage and a half a month. Like I'm not signing up for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what that challenge is for for a lot of people that desire a big city. You know, yeah. to reside in a big city, it's really hard to deal with all the expenses that it costs and offset it with the salary. Like that's right, right. It's, um, it's highly competitive for it. Really. Right, and if it's not a if it's not just a salary issue, it's also a time issue because mm. they a lot of times will expect you and I think a lot of um like new grads kind of like burden themselves with this expectation that you know they're the first one in and the last one out like somebody will see me and like I'll get the promotion and blah blah like not I you pay me for eight hours of work and that's what you're gonna get and then I'm rolling out like you don't you want me to work 10 12 hours you're barely paying me anything that I can like pay my bills and then put something in savings or invest or do whatever else I want to do with it and then you're going to work me like a dog and then I got to beg for a promotion or beg for you know whatever else like I get a promotion there's barely any more money like nah this is the reason why millennials and and later are prioritizing themselves because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you have to yeah and they should and they should so yeah no it's that that's another you know they talk about the game a lot and so part of the game is, you know, your optics and the perception and everything. Mm-hmm. Part of the game is your confidence and knowing, right. um, you know, I didn't slip in through nepotism. I not, I didn't, I didn't lie on my resume. Right. Like, I'm here because I'm good enough to be here. I'm gonna, you know, you move and walk and present yourself like you're supposed to be here, and then that, and that, that, that confidence permeates through. Right. You know, that can, that can, that can matter just as much as yeah. Let me just make sure I'm doing all the things that somebody thinks I should be doing. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Okay. So um so you know, a little bit of work before grad school, then during grad school, mm-hmm. and then took that degree and kind of propelled what you were doing. Um and then eventually along the way there was a um there was a, you know, working for self entrepreneurial type of idea that came uh, that came or, or maybe it had been so so yeah, or maybe it had been in your mind. Yeah, I would say it's been something that's been in my mind. And, you know, the more I get into different things, I think about like some of the silly things I used to do as a child um, that were kind of like entrepreneurial entrepreneurial in spirit, but um, obviously didn't really go anywhere. Um, But I had been blogging since like 2016 or whatever and mostly around um like beauty and travel because again like I said I travel quite a bit and I people are always asking me about my hair and it just got to the point where like I just got tired of answering the same questions over and over again so 
Yeah, so I was like, well, it would be great if I had a place where I could kind of direct people to, like, if you have these sorts of questions, this is what I do, this is, like, what I use, you know, all that sort of thing. And also kind of showing people, like, so I'm big on, like, um, I guess kind of thought process. So Mm -hmm. even, like, how I do things, and that might be just, like, the engineer in me, like, how, you know, they kind of train your, your brain to work and kind of reason through choices and how something works and so um and I realized that sometimes when people ask me certain questions about something I do or well I'll just say something I do it's the thought process really that they're kind of getting towards but not really knowing how to ask that question or knowing that that's the question they want to ask um so even with my blogging kind of work, I would kind of approach it from that aspect of like, okay, this is how I'm thinking of it. And this is how I approach this, this problem that I was having. And this is something, this is how you should do it too. Because without getting into the depths of it, one of the problems that I find in the like kind of natural hair world is that you see something you like, you in your mind think that my hair looks like yours. And I want mine to look like, my results to be like yours and so i'm going to do whatever it is that jamel is doing so that my results look like his results the problem with that is that our hair might not actually be the same even though it looks the same and when you when you skip over doing like the the logical reasoning as to how i got here or what i used then you get disappointed because your results are not the same. So if I can just show you, instead of just saying use ABC products and do one, two, three steps, why I'm doing ABC and one, two, three, then you can do it for yourself and figure out, you know, what works for you without being, without the disappointment. Right. The sidebar to that is a lot of people don't want to do that work, but that's a different different conversation. So, um, so yeah, I have been, and I still have said blog, but it's such a challenge to get that sort of thing to make money. And then to, Mm -hmm. when when you do make money with it, to make money consistently. Right. So, um, it's not ever, and I guess part of maybe my problem with that was not really looking at it like it was a business. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like looking at it as something I'm doing that I want to make money. Maybe that was the problem but I don't know so um I'm but I've always been um you know someone kind of reads and kind of looking around at things that you know what can I come up with like what problem can I solve what product could I sell or something like that mm-hmm. but then you know you have that barrier of capital and like you know needing to be with the right people in order to make something shake so looking for something simple enough that you can enter a market and mm-hmm. make money Mm-hmm. And I think that's always sort of been where I had some some disconnect. Um, but because I I have often been in, I guess, circles with entrepreneurs and just kind of always reading about what other people are doing, mm-hmm. I came across someone who is like a, now a serial entrepreneur, um, but was able to build his first like million dollar business in 30 days mm-hmm. um, through lo- local service businesses. And I just will always see his posts, which were always very detailed and free, more, more importantly, <laughs> of like how you can do the same thing. And again, that's sort of like logical, like stepping through the process of things that made it very easy to repeat for someone yes. else. Yeah. Um, or even if you didn't want to copy it in the same way, apply it to something else. Right. So um, at some point he ended up creating a group to kind of 
help a group of people replicate the same results. And I think he had like a wildly popular, um, you know, launch your first million dollar business in 27 days post on Reddit. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing that like two years ago, but then stopped because I was unemployed at the time. And then I recently restarted um, in January. So I'm like in the throes of that now, but um, yeah, so that's kind of been a, a wild ride. But I think I really, you know, through all of that kind of reading and, and paying attention to what other people are doing, have a been able to kind of refine what I wanted out of an entrepreneurial experience, okay. which I think is very important and not necessarily everyone gets the opportunity to do that because sometimes um business opportunities kind of fall in your lap there's a problem and and you um inadvertently come up with a way to solve it and then all of a sudden you're you have a business but i think it's different when you're planning to be an entrepreneur and you're looking for um mm -hmm. an opportunity mm -hmm. um in the same way that i now try to tell um students coming out of high school to kind of look at choosing a career like the career is important yes and I think that's the way that we um kind of chose what we wanted to do in a lot of aspects but I think it's also important to think about the kind of life you're trying to live mm -hmm. and sometimes mm -hmm. that ends up filtering out the degree or the or the mm -hmm. business before mm -hmm. the business itself and so I, I tell a lot of students that like the degree is cool because in your head you have a perception of what it's like to be a doctor or what it's like to be an engineer or a lawyer or whatever. But then we don't think about, okay, a lawyer is locked up in an office for X amount of hours and all they do is read and they don't see people, you know, all these, these different components to it. And that's not the type of person I am. That's going to make me miserable. Mm -hmm. We don't think about that part. <laughs> and so I love being an engineer, but I don't want to be at somebody's office at the same office every day mm -hmm. having to clock in at x time and clock out at x time i want to go out and explore i want to be on my own time so this lifestyle is not gelling with who i am as a person and mm -hmm. therefore i'm not going to be happy even though the context of that work is something i enjoy mm -hmm. and so i needed to choose a business that allowed me or would allow me to have that freedom. So it wouldn't make sense for me to have a business that has a storefront because that's the same setup. I have to be at that that storefront seven days a week now, probably right, right. Five, <laughs> even more time. And even more hours than the eight because it's mine. Right. And that's just gonna make me feel just as tied down as you showing up to somebody else's business. Yeah. So this this particular um opportunity with the local service business was one that I can do anywhere as long as I have a laptop and wi-fi I can run from anywhere I can employ people from around the world and you know like I touched on earlier my family is Jamaican I can employ somebody from Jamaica and give them more of an opportunity an opportunity to make more money than they would probably be able to do at home mm -hmm. so it, it kind of like is is bringing everything together um, for me. But literally, once this gets to the point where I can quit my job, I can go to wherever I, my heart desires for a month and still run my business. Mm -hmm. And so that that um, having having the space where I guess things that I've tried didn't work allowed me to realize what type of business. Um, space I need to be in because again that whole storefront thing is not gonna work for me even though I had ideas of businesses that would be like that um, but that's not gonna work for me until I have enough money to pay somebody else to do it 
right. And I'm not there yet. So. Yeah. Understood. Understood. Now nah, this is that's great. That's a, this is a perfect time to to go into those uh those four quadrants, those four class cash flow quadrants. Mm-hmm. I talked about it what, like two years ago. So this is a great time to bring it back up again. So you got employee, which is having the job. Mm-hmm. You got that self-employed, which is owning the job. So that was the um, the category, excuse me. That was the category in which you were just saying, it's like, okay, I have my own business, but it's a storefront. So I'm still just, I got to do this. It has to stay open. Now it's just more of my responsibility. There's the um, I, which is the investor, you know, so there's a lot, you know, that's a whole, um, you know, there's plenty of ways to go about that, even more so now with um, with uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And then there's the business um, business owner or the business where you have a system. So kind of what you're saying, you are now found that particular opportunity, which is going to let you co- uh, continue. Excuse me again. It's going to let you kind of operate. Um, you know, what it is that you're trying to do multiple ways um, without you physically happen to be there, it's replicable. And that's why it can be done in different areas. Um, so that's one is having that knowledge in the first place. And two is figuring out what it is that you can do to fit that mold. Right. Coughing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. And I mean, you know, honestly, you know, we're in that microwave society where everybody just wants to figure it out immediately. Like you had to, you had to have some of those other experiences to find right, what works right. and doesn't work before you could get where you are. And I guess, yeah, that, that kind of comes back to <clears throat> your point about your point about intention, intending to be an entrepreneur. That means you had a process, you know, more, more information that you had to learn. Right. And, you know, now it's a good, fortunately, you're getting to the point, it sounds like that you're learned enough to get it started, but obviously the, the learning, it doesn't stop. Right. <laughs> that's, that's definitely it. And I, I think, um, I think sometimes maybe that's sort of the handicap we pick up as college grads, because mm-hmm. that whole process of going to college kind of trains you to feel like you have to have a certain amount of not only knowledge, but um, skill and connections and all these other things before you get into something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I, I can concede that that college does handicap us in, a, in that sort of way. Uh, and maybe I shouldn't generalize. I, I see that. I don't know if other people see that, but I, I can see how any process where you have to train and maybe not even college, but, you know, we, if you have to go to um, trade school or anything like that, we have to train before you're able to do something or get a certificate or a degree or whatever else can sometimes put you in this mindset that you have to have a checklist of things accomplished before you can go to the next step. Right. And I think a lot of times with business is you just have to do it. You just have to, you just have to start because you're never going to have all your, your cards lined up the way everything has to be to cover everything in business. And sometimes I think a lot of times actually with business is, it's the, um, it's that practical learning that you learn the most. So literally with this cleaning company, I, all I had in place when I launched it was the website 
that were able to collect payments and someone to do the work because my focus is running the business and not being in the business. So I don't do the cleaning. Mm-hmm. Right? And, I, and, and that sets me up to scale the business so that I can be a million dollar business as soon as possible mm-hmm. rather than if I'm doing the cleaning, I, I can't run the business as well and do, and also do the work. That's your time. That's so you your have to, right. So it kind of forces you to learn how, if you have control issues to like, let it go because <laughs> you know, let it go and set up systems in place in order to, um, I guess, kind of control your quality. So, um, and then, and then be able to, if you have to step out of it for whatever reason, someone else can look at, you know, for the engineers, the SOPs, they can look at what you have there and replicate whatever it is that you were doing so that the business doesn't fall apart. That's how you know you have good systems in place. Right. So a lot of, a lot of these things, um, you just are going to, you're not going to know until you're, you're faced with the problem yes. and then you fix the problem and document it so that the next time either you prevent it altogether or the next time you're faced with the issue, you know exactly how to resolve it because you already did it. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can, <clears throat> the merit for, um, you got to start somewhere. So if, if, yeah. if you're in college and you know, as a, as a traditional ages, late teen, early twenties, then it's okay to say, yeah, you really don't have a foundation for any of this work. So yes, we need you to get started first. But yeah, the, a mistake that a lot of people do make that's very valid is, oh, this is this is how life works. Um, you know, and some people are actually mature enough or got thrown into life, uh, you know, for different reasons as a, you know, as a, those early teenage years that they already realized, like, nah, I, <laughs> when I had this family situation, when I had my own challenge. Yeah, I had to figure it out. It happened. I had to get yeah. out of it. Now I'm, you know, different and stronger uh, for it, hopefully. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, it's, you know, that's definitely, it can be useful when it when it had its season, when it had its time. But no, eventually, you know, the work, one of the biggest mistakes people can make is, is that there even is a way to say, okay, I'm just going to have all this, you know, that's career, that's relationships. I'm going to just have all this known. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to dive into it and I'm yeah. going to get an A. <laughs> yeah and life doesn't work like that you know and it's it's funny how i always find it very interesting how um i think socially we accept the idea that in 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 certain parts of life particularly with work i think i see like nine to five work that you know when opportunity knocks you have to be ready like you know there's that whole saying of like you never have to get ready if you stay ready and and that whole you know that whole mentality but we don't transfer that same logic to other areas of life Mm -hmm. so when you see people talk about relationships and they're like oh i'm not ready for this and i'm not ready for that and it's like okay well if your dream person showed up at your doorstep tomorrow are you gonna be like well come back in six months because i'm not quite ready yet would you do that about your job if the job of your dreams was somebody offered it to you today are you going to be like, well, I actually need two more certificates before I'm ready? Like, no, I'm taking that job and I'll figure it out. Yeah. Like, I'm going to fake it till I make it and you're going to have to fire me if you want me to leave. But I'm going to be here until I figure it out. That's my job. I want it. And it's just funny to me how we don't transfer that to anything else in life. Mm. And we're supposed to figure, we're supposed to have all of these things done mm. before we, we do anything else. It's very interesting. Hey. <laughs> I mean, as a, you know, that's a bar there. And it's just up to people like, did you want to hear it right now or did you need six yeah. <laughs> And that's the beauty. That's a good post if you got to come back there later. No problem. But, like, that was, 
Now, that was powerful right there. That was definitely that was definitely good. Um, so you you've alluded to the cleaning business, but do you want to actually formally introduce? Or you know, what are the actual? You know, what are you? What are you oh sure, I don't about? really have. A, I guess it's about be my first time having like a okay, well, yeah, whatever. Thanks. But you know, I could try a little thing. <laughs> but um, yeah. So the cleaning business is Capital Region Maids. We're a mostly residential cleaning company in the DC metropolitan region, working on some expansion to Baltimore. Although this COVID situation is kind of throwing that off a little bit. Um, but yeah, so we um, are, I, I hesitate to say the value proposition, but we really try to focus on making a booking really simple. I know for me as a consumer, um, when I need a product or a service, it's so frustrating to me that, and maybe this is the millennial in me, going on, um, trying to patron a business and a they don't have a website mm -hmm. i'm like it's 2020 like why don't we have a website and then if on that website it's not simple for me to book like don't make me have to go through a million hoops in order to a figure out how much something costs i don't want to have to call you to figure that out i don't want to have to call you to figure anything out i just <laughs> want all the information that i need what's included how much it costs and where do i pay i want all of that ready and available so i can book at two o'clock in the morning if i need to i want that okay. and so that is how we structured our business we are we do have a phone where <laughs> people can call us if they need to or they want to we're happy to do that but um you know it's a it's a where technology meets this sort of industry where a lot and i find that with a lot of like service things um the technology hasn't really been applied yet yeah. Um, so I think that kind of, you know, helps us stand out in the market a bit, um, because we just make things super simple for people. Everything you need is online. Um, but we're also there for support if, if they need that. Okay. Um, yeah. So we're also learning to pivot. So with this whole COVID situation, you know, we've, um, actually just announced today our gross contactless grocery delivery service hmm. um and that's oh. another thing you learn in business is how to pivot you either pivot yeah. or you or you get lost <laughs> right. Right. so um you know just witnessing the struggles that people are having with um i guess your tra traditional shopping services i'll leave it at that um with, with like no slots or um you know just other various things that are making getting deliveries um difficult for people who can't or don't want to leave the house um during the situation so we came up with a solution um and one that we think is um also fair to our uh our providers who are also our cleaning professionals but we're looking at both sides of the problems with some of those apps with consumers not being able to get slots and then the um what are they calling it not uh, uh the protests from the shoppers and the drivers who are feeling like they're underpaid and undervalued mm -hmm. so we have a little different of, a, of an approach to our delivery service that makes sure that they're being paid fairly and um that also allows us to keep paying people through the situation uh, enables them to keep taking care of their families right. and then we also have a um viral disinfection service as well so for residential and commercial businesses um so that when things open up whenever they do um businesses can open with confidence and consumers can you know 
patron businesses with confidence in person knowing that um, they're cleansed and disinfected properly and things of that nature, so. Okay, okay. Now, that's great, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> having the original service and, 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 you know, having the idea that you wanted, then getting into business and realizing um, this can translate to a different, you know, kind of to a different opportunity or here's how you can make your, give yourself competitive advantage based on your experience. Again, because you had to get into it to see it, or even, yeah. you know, once you got started, then it was like, okay, I've already knocked this out. So I mean, a lot of people think um, about a good idea, but now that you already got your, you know, got already got that momentum of executing, then yeah. it became, okay, now it's time to, you know, or there's an opportunity to move here and I don't see, you know, nobody's doing it the way I can think of it. So yeah, here I am. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that's a great point to like that overall um, mindset of just having to pivot. And it's a constant thing. Like, I think sometimes when people walk into business, you think like the hardest part is like starting and that's not, I mean, I can't, I can't understand that logic, but that's not really it. Like every day there's something like, you know, yesterday I was trying to build um finish the pages for these two services that I just mentioned mm -hmm. and I was having technical issues I don't code but you got to figure it out <laughs> like you know or 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 you have to have enough money to pay someone to do it for you I don't have that right now so in the midst of that I'm going to figure it out YouTube University you know you got to use your networks your you know you never know and, and it was an easy fix but my point to that is there always are going to be problems that you don't have the slightest clue how you're going to solve it or you don't have the skill to to fix it but um i think that goes back to our kind of earlier conversation about not feeling like you have to have all of these sort of sort of ducks in a row right. because if I felt like I needed to be a coder in order to have this cleaning business or even a cleaner, I have never been a professional cleaner. Mm -hmm. That's not like, <laughs> that's not necessary to own a cleaning business because right. again, my focus is on running the business and not being the business. And if I am not the business that I don't need to know how to clean, like my goal is to never have to clean. Mm -hmm. I just need to be able to identify people who can do so so yeah. I can hire them to do okay. the to do the work. Okay. So if you can separate this idea of feeling like you have to know know that particular industry in order to have a business in it, like that's not necessary for right. in all right. cases. Right. You just have to know how to market. You have to know how to, you know, sell, make connections. And really what fundamentally I'm doing is being the the technology, it's selling technology. Because I, I'm, I'm, I'm selling the customer on an experience. Like, this is going to be easier than whoever else you've worked with in the past. Right. I've done all the vetting for you in terms of the, the, the person who would clean your home. And I'm making it very easy for you to book. If you want a monthly service, you do it once and you never have to book it again. It, that person is just going to show up. On the cleaner side, these might people be people who are like, you know, the Picasso of cleaning but they don't have marketing ability. They don't know how to sell themselves and their services. I know how to do that. So I'm the middle person in between someone who needs a service and someone who provides a service. And I think if, if we can shift our perspective in that manner, then it's a lot easier to find um, opportunities for you to create a business. Yeah, it's, um, and that, so that comes all the way back to <clears throat> applying basic concepts. Yes multiple times so it doesn't really matter like 
you know, multiple industries that don't sound like they have anything in common with each other still operate on a similar foundation or still should. Yes. And yeah, recognizing that. Yeah. I mean, between your, yourself and myself, we both have a, edu- a engineering background. Mm-hmm. So I think it's making it a little bit more easier and some people don't like, so, yeah. so that's fine. Cause we also both you and I came out into the world with a clear gap in some other kind of knowledge that right. we figured out. So there's nothing to right. pass that information. I wanted to say that as far as, you know, as far as, as far as um, the professional life, like besides, <clears throat> it's just a whole big difference between 30 years ago and now. Yeah. You used to be able to stay in one company forever. YouTube didn't exist. Right. And people with, you know, with knowledge, we're hoarding their knowledge because yes, yes. it felt like that was, it was like, that was the key. And it seems like now these days, uh, people are more willing to share the knowledge because that's important, but really right. the execution seems right, to be right. <laughs> what the focus right. is. Because yeah, we can all know, go ahead. We can all know, and, but you don't do. And I'm glad you brought that up because that makes me think about like this concept of like market saturation and competitiveness mm-hmm. because with working with the um the guy I mentioned his name is Rohan Gilks mm-hmm. um with working with him he has this totally counterintuitive mindset about uh, like an approach to business and I think I don't know where we get it from but this sort of idea that like if somebody already did it then you shouldn't do it and right. I definitely <laughs> I have definitely suffered from that mindset because I know some uh, some um, business one business idea in particular that I had as a result of being a blogger that would have solved my own personal pain point that I know a lot of other content creators have. I thought of this idea and I was like, this would be amazing. Like maybe this is my like my bullet idea that I can actually make work. And I have some like knowledge in this space. And I was like, okay, well, let me do some research to see like you know, what exists, if if anything. And I ended up coming up with all of these people who were kind of doing the same thing. And immediately I was discouraged. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought I had this great idea. It's, I guess it's not that great. I'm late again on, on like the idea train or whatever. And I kind of like tossed the idea. And then I don't know if it was something he said, but I kind of circled back to it. And then I started talking to friends that I had who were also content creators. Like, are you feeling like you're getting what you need? Because even though these, these companies exist, I still have this pain point. Right. Like, you know, they exist, but somehow they were not able to reach me. So I didn't even know they existed. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, for whatever reason, I'm not feeling like I, I'm, they still offering what I need. Like they're not solving my issue. Right. And they felt the same way. And so he has this concept of like, competition is like verification that the idea is, is solid. It's like your proof of concept. Yeah. And and that to me is is counterintuitive because I think sometimes, and maybe it's an ego thing that like you want to have this idea that nobody else has thought of. So you can be the point like, you know, Jamel was the first who, you know, came up with a podcast or like whatever. Um, Maybe it's ego driven. I don't know. But like, if you think of it from his mindset, it's like, all right, well, if nobody's done it, you don't even know the market wants it. Is there a market readiness for this idea? Are they willing to pay for it even? Like, is it, would it just be something that someone would look at and say, that's cool, but like, I don't need it. Or it's cool, but I wouldn't pay for it. 
Right. I know some things that I'm like, oh, that's that's a cool idea, but I wouldn't pay somebody to do that. Right. I just do it myself. Right. So you you lower your own personal risk with your money and your time if other 10 other people have already done it. That shows you there's a need for it and right. that people are willing to pay for it. They've already taken that risk for you. So I don't need to do it. So if I jump in that space, I also get free research because I get to go to your podcast and Susie and Joe's podcast and see exactly what you're doing, what's working for you, and hopefully identify the gaps, what's not working for you. And then I can craft my service and my business around what you're not doing and do it better. (laughs) And then I get to take a little slice of a pie so it's also that plus with the concept of there's opportunity for everyone there's 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 you know money on the table for everyone and if you i guess go into it with the mindset that like you're not ever going to get all of the market share unless you have unless you're the only person with that idea which comes along with a lot of risk right so if you can accept that you're not going to have all the market share well how much market share would make you happy right like you know what I mean? Like how many how many, you know, products do you need to sell? How much of your service do you need to sell in order to make what you want to make? And maybe all of your revenue comes from this business or you use this business as a jumping ground for the next business and it's just a slice of your portfolio. Mm-hmm. So I think once I was able to change that, I'm like now when I have ideas, I'm like, okay, let me see who else is doing this. Let me get into how they're doing it, what they're not doing, and you know, if people with that pain point feel like their needs are being served. So when I was able to do that, I, I, I still haven't moved on this idea yet, but um, I created a survey and I sent it to people who would have this pain point. And I said, are your needs being met? No. What are you looking for? Blah, blah, blah. What are you willing to pay for it? It's like, <laughs> and, when, and when you understand that concept, it's like mind blown, but then it's also rinse and repeat. You do the same thing for every single business. And now it makes so much sense why he is a serial entrepreneur because he literally does the same process for every single business. Is somebody else doing it? What aren't they doing well? How can I, you know, enter this market and do what they do better? Set it up, sell it. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't, and his like thing is like, I don't want anything that's going to take me like years to get to the money. I want business ideas that I can get to the money as soon as possible. Right. 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 So, so like, I, my mindset is completely like different now. So yeah, that, that's, uh, that's Rohan Gilks. You know, I highly encourage, you know, the rest yeah. of you all to, to look him up. And I, you know what I didn't realize? I was shocked. Um, another day I looked at the group. I'm like, wow, I know a couple of y'all in here. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. by all means, again, Shout out to him, and then you even sharing like pretty much, pretty much repeated, honestly. Yeah. But but showing you know that's that's the replication, like showing yeah. that this this information is getting through, right. um, and is you know is 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 clear enough. And then after you get the information, go make it work for you. Like right. learning just to learn is not going to do it. And so it's like, and even that people, <clears throat> you know, it's like all right, they wanted to figure everything out before they get started, right. Like, okay, I gotta do that. Okay, well now I'm gonna just jump it now. There's still there needs to be a plan though. Right, right. <laughs> it does need to be and some even, kind of knowledge. I think you said, um oh gosh, now I can't remember. You mentioned something that I thought was like a really good point. Oh, about sharing knowledge. Cause mm-hmm. like even um and I thought that was a great point. Even though so I think part of the shift is that 
socially people have realized that they can sell knowledge in the same way that they can sell a product, mm-hmm. right? So you have that. Then, of course, you have people who muddy the waters with, like, selling knowledge, but they're not really telling you, like, how to execute something. They're mm-hmm. just kind of telling you, I always struggle with how to explain this, but I've, I've definitely gotten got by some people, mm-hmm. like, you know, investing in courses and, you know, master classes and things like that, where people are not really telling you anything actionable that you can take from this. And I'm going to go execute these 10 steps and have a result. And as long as I, like, you know, put the time and the effort into it, I'm going to yield, like, something. A lot of people are not, are, are not selling that. Um, what Rohan does is, and he's not even selling that. He gives this this information away for free. Right. Um, that is very valuable. He could easily sell it for a lot. Right. What he sells, though, is the business. So the business that he, and, and I won't even say he sells it because it's not even like he's requiring you to, like, purchase any of, like, his tools or anything like that. But because they're already there and he uses them and built them, it, it, it's a no-brainer to use what what tools he's created to make this process easier although you could go elsewhere but that is part of the um, you know that rinse and repeat that I was talking about earlier it was like first he had this cleaning company and then while running that cleaning company he realized okay for example I could have what if I had like a booking page that made this process way simpler and then went and created a business around having this like you know booking page so it just so happens that his other businesses kind of work cohesively with like i guess the the total process of mm-hmm. having like a, a local service business but that that and i and i think well i don't think i know that he has given away that information for free before those other tools existed because that's how that reddit post like blew up um but and that, I think that speaks to him as a person, you know, in and of itself that he was, you know, willing to give all that information for free. But um, even now with these other tools in place, he's able to make some money there with people who are willing to, you know, join the process and 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 get started. So um, I think that's an, also another way that, and I, and I, I think a more ethical way personally speaking just as someone who's you know paid for different courses from different people and think that you're getting like actionable intel you know on something and that's not really what you're getting um of of doing of doing that right 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 yeah no there's um because it's in, in yeah in in general yes you as far as the information you have um you know there's a lot of people that have a need you go find a need um, and so, yes, if you actually have something to say and something that people can benefit from, then it is reasonable to sell it. But some of them, uh, some of the more shadier types, um, do a great job of the marketing, you know, yes, you, you yes, this, yes. I got this for you, you need it. And, it, and that's really all they spent the time on. And then you get right. the, it. Right. it's like a big box, big, you know, gift with nothing inside. Right. And because, because they are wherever you're trying to get to. So like, you know, if they're a blogger and they have a hundred thousand followers, you're like, okay, well they're going to tell me how they got there. Like sometimes that's not really, (laughs) and and it's not necessarily, you know, the fault of whoever is doing the investing. Like you said, they're skilled at at making that package. And because they, again are wherever you're trying to get you you reasonably think right. okay this is how they got there and they're about to show me how how it works right. um 
not, that's not always the case. Uh, and not. then and then you have um I think with this scenario, it really puts the ball back in your court. So now with all of the steps, it's really on you yes. to execute. Like, mm-hmm. you, you're going to get something. I, I remember very early on doing it. He was like, you are going to make money in 30 days. If you do these things, you are going to make money in 30 days. And I'm just like, yeah, right. Because I've been <laughs> like, in so many of those scenarios where people are like, oh, you're going to get followers or you're going to get this. And it's like, okay, no, this is real. Like within 30 days of my, you know, site being up, announced, launched, I had a booking, made money. <laughs> Literally, you'll wake up and be like, your phone is ringing. Oh, somebody booked a service at like three o'clock in the morning. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? So, I mean, that's just, it's, it's great and, and, now to just be able to focus on just scaling that like i personally have a goal i, I want to be able to fire my job at the end of the fiscal year okay goal. oh this year yes okay. i am ready to go <laughs> <laughs> like, been ready to go for yeah. a while i am ready to go okay. got the resignation letter in hand <laughs> dated <laughs> everything so it's like if if you just focus on doing the work, like literally round the clock, I'm balancing between doing my nine to five job and running my cleaning business and getting it to scale so that I can be like, you know what? This ain't it for me no more. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I got the whole speech. You got the time that you go. I got it all. The whole I day. October <laughs> 1, that is the goal. And you know, if it comes down to it and I can't, it is what it is. Yeah. But it's the goal and that, that drives you to work hard enough to to get there. And if I get there and it's, that's not the time, then, you know, that's fine. It can right. change. Right, right. But it's something, no, it's just that optimism to know there's something better out there and a horizon to go reach for it. And yeah. that's keeping it fuel. Yeah, and, no, that is, and that is attainable. Like, yeah, yeah right. It's, it's attainable, and you know, it's great to have like a community of people who are doing the same thing, regardless of where they are. But mm-hmm. there's also other cleaning companies um, that I started this process with here in the DMV area, and we rely on each other a lot. Like, you know, we have technical issues. Anybody ever done this? Is anybody having this problem? How did you solve it? You know, where are you getting your, it's Hunger Games right now for cleaning supplies and, you know, PPE in general. That's been difficult, but, you know, with all us working together, we find one place that works, we drop the link for everybody. You know, if I have a, a cleaning job and I can't find, you know, none of my cleaners are available. I'm calling one of them. Do you have a team that's available for this job on this date? Mm-hmm. Like, there is enough to that competition piece. There's enough out here for all of us. Everybody. And one of the reason why, one of the reasons why I love that local service model so much is because it's sort of like getting into the like mortuary business or whatever. People are always going to die. That's never going to change. Mm-hmm. I hate to sound like you know dark and morbid or whatever i don't wish death on anyone but it's a part of life so like in that same vein there people are always going to need somewhere to live every second there's another a new housing scheme that's being put up that's another potential customer that's why the competition piece is literally just proof of concept yeah nothing else there's always going to be a need for someone to cut your grass to do your landscaping to clean your house to clean your business to clean the hospital like there's always going to be a need for that and if you can find a, a space for you to to maneuver or have a business in any any industry that is like that that doesn't is not obsolete, 
it's like you don't really you just once you scale you just sit back and watch the money roll in right right exactly now i'm glad you came back to that or, or, or opened up an opportunity to come back to it there really isn't the 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 model of primarily operating from a cutthroat standpoint is it's not really necessary and sets you up because when you become you know uh, people talk like reputation is important yeah. so when you become the one that's not trustworthy like as soon as the well of scamming people or <laughs> over dries up you don't have another well i like that the well of scamming people <laughs> <laughs> The scamming well is dry. Yeah, when that's dry, like, <laughs> that didn't lead you to anything else built up. Yeah, you know, no, that's true. You pivoted. Like, you can't that's pivot. true. Yeah. And, and like you said, one, one thing that I've definitely noticed just from, like, observing a lot of business spaces is that these worlds are small. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, small. Yep. Especially when you get to a certain level of, like, exposure or even success. These mm -hmm. worlds are small. Yeah. So it's not worth it in the long run at it's all. Not. So that's that's beautiful to kind of hear that example, even in one of probably the toughest things we've experienced in our lifetime. And yeah. then in your industry, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and still you have some with the mindset to say, Well, we're gonna have to figure this out together. And yeah. in the process of this one particular business, I we'll, we can still put food on our table. And they can still put food on their table. Right. You know, and, and we'll be all right. We can all right. be all right. And we can serve, you know, because part of it, a lot of entrepreneurs do like providing a service. Right. Um, you know, as well, there's some of that. We like to get paid for it, of course. But <laughs> we do like making the situation better than it was. So, like, how you saying, yeah, what I do is education. And we're not going to have no shortage of people that need to right. be. Right. Never. <laughs> so when you Never. find that, yeah, when you find that problem to solve, you that becomes easier right know? and it's like all right how can i keep making it better it's like a little bit of weight yeah a little yeah. weight off the shoulder like i know what i'm trying to do can work now just make it work yeah yeah and i'm telling you sometimes to me like that clarity is of like who you're talking to um yes. like audience wise is the toughest part of of the business because i i definitely think that's probably probably the toughest part of business and and it's definitely from what i'm noticing the difference between like a business and then like a business like yeah. a business that's like making money hand over fist is like their ability to communicate to their target audience and to um and just have that clarity to like their pain points where you're, you're able to speak directly to someone's challenges with a service or a product it's a sweet spot that like you really don't have to do much after that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Listen, I think it's, you know, pl pr uh, plenty obvious that you have a, a wealth of information. There's like no shortage of, uh, of, of both just kind of general life experiences and then um, industry knowledge specific to what you're doing right now. Um, so it's, you know, there's no need to prove that. Like we can do like a whole another hour. And <laughs> Thank <half>. you. <laughs> but I think, you know, actually if we come back a couple of minutes ago, what you said, it's like, you know, everybody, please feel free to go check out this, again, this Capital Region Mates. Yes. This is a, um, a DMV service that, that you plan to try to get out to uh, Baltimore. Um, yes. It's, it's a goal. Okay. So, so if you're in one of those regions, definitely check it out. And 
She's trying to be out. She's trying to get out and fire her job on October first. So. Yes. So if you are if you are a cleaning professional, please hit me up. I'm yes. looking for you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Ready. And I'm I'm so um actually sent an email out to some of my clients this morning. Um, you know, explaining the two new services, and I was like telling them, you know, this is all your fault. The fault that this business is able to to stay in operation in the midst of a pandemic and still hire people. I hired two people two weeks ago. Oh, wow. So I am constantly looking for more people to hire. Um, fortunately for, for me and, you know, the cleaning industry, this is a time where people are seeking us and our services out more um, than, than before and needing us. So that definitely helps. But, um, yeah, I'm always looking for cleaning people, but especially now, if you have cleaning, um, professional cleaning experience in the DMV area, please call us, email us. <laughs> All right. Does that, so what's, um, yeah, Capital Region Maids, the website is? Yeah, www.capitalregionmaids.com. Okay, just straight up that same. Yep. Okay, okay. Spelled normally and all that. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, and um, it's on Facebook, what other... Yep. So we're on Facebook at Capital Region Maids, also on Instagram, also at Capital Region Maids, and then we're also on Twitter, but it's Capital R E G Maids. Was that taken or was it a space? I, it may have been a space thing. Okay. I don't. I'm not sure, but that was the closest that we could get to the name. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. But even and even that, that, you know, making that real simple to. You know, yep, like everybody put a C over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not capital with a K, like. Right. <laughs> and we're, I forgot we're also on Pinterest at the same okay. rate. Capital. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. Pinterest. Okay, all right, very good. So, so, uh, Satya, thank you very much. Uh, definitely appreciate your time. Um, you know, again, everybody go check out Capital Region May support it. If you need services book, if you can provide the services, reach out. And, um, you know, just keep supporting black businesses, helping them grow um, and get those good businesses supported, too. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. This is very fun, actually. (laughs) I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, uh, Smart Done Podcast. We're signing up. Everybody else have a great uh, day. Bye.